Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars. Second episode of the week, Graham Goodwin. We did a Lamal rundown, me being the monkey, hurling questions at you, you ducking at times, but answering the majority of them. We said we would come back this week with a bit of a news catch up, knowing that we have been out of sync with our normal week in sports cars listener Q&A show. So a bit of catching up this week, two episodes, and we will be back in normal. You ask the Q's. We show our A's uh, answer. Give the A's. Yes. Uh, All done. Thanks to you and your great questions and fun and comments and camaraderie all brought to us by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, your dog, uh, our cats, and just as a little really deep episode note here, I have Rosie sleeping on the left. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have... I don't know if it's a new fur or something, but I have Rocky sleeping on the back of my neck, uh, oh. laying on the back of the chair. And he just stood oh. up because he probably heard his name. Uh, but yes, so I don't know what's going on. He was licking my hair during yesterday's episode. So <laughs> full pet revolt here in the week in sports cars. But darn it, we're going to try and uh, power through here with about a half an hour of news and so why don't we mr goodwin he of daily sports car editing fame and whose uh disembodied voice showered the world with 24 hours of lamar knowledge why don't we kick off here and tell us about the recent lmdh slash hypercar slash gtp announcements bmw being one where we've seen uh, really awesome imagery, I would say. Yep. Cadillac, right. even more awesome imagery. Uh, confirmation, if you want to call it that, of Liget building Lamborghini's uh, upcoming prototype, which I think I might have broken the Liget part a couple months ago. Uh, Ferrari with the world's greatest teaser image. Just oh, yeah. let's full full applause to Ferrari for giving us tons there. Uh, Porker and then Peugeot. So uh, I know that folks have probably read a lot about these things already. Yeah. Graham, but what are some of the the kernels of information you might share that uh, we haven't seen or some of the analyses uh, that come to mind? Uh, Well, we've already seen, as you quite rightly said, the BMW. They've done a great job of uh, integrating the the new styling gaping holes in the front of the car. I think that looks pretty darn good. Um, To clarify, there is no news as yet of what's going to happen uh, with BMW beyond IMSA, and if anything does happen, that looks set to be 2024 rather than 2023. Uh, I can tell you uh, that in contrast to what others have written, and indeed what I've written, there is more than one interested party uh, seriously bidding for BMW's interest in the WEC. So I think at the moment, looking pretty good that we might see the addition of BMW from 24. Um, Cadillac, theirs is, is less the finished article, isn't it, MP? It's a kind of a concept uh, drawing. The What was confirmed is we're going to have a normally aspirated uh, V8 as the ice, the, uh, the internal combustion engine uh, in that car. Uh, but the car in its renders shown... Not quite complete, not quite a complete race car, but again, agree with you, looks stunning, looks a real stunner. Confirm as well 
that uh, Ligier did, as indeed you did break on Racer.com. What? Uh, you did. You did. Sorry, you. I broke it. All you. I didn't mean to. Um, I'll be more delicate <laughs> next time. Um, but Ligier joined the, the party, so we've now got all four of the uh, current and future LMP2 chassis manufacturers with the spine, the car that they are going to develop for LMP2 being utilised by at least one uh, of the LMDH manufacturers. So, for clarity, as things stand at the moment, it's one for Ligier. I found you again. Um, it's one for Multimatic um, with the Porsche. was going to be the Audi as well, but of course that now has gone. With Dallara, we have uh, the Cadillac and the BMW. And with Orica, the Acura, and then in 2024, the Alpine. Um, there are others out there, without a shadow of a doubt, and I hope more uh, to talk about in the coming weeks and months. But there are others, plural, that are looking very carefully at it. The Porsche. Uh, there was a Porsche show car uh, at the Le Mans 24 Hours, but was in a sort of disguised fashion in a Porsche hospitality booth, not really available for the public to see. There are some pictures uh, online of it being uh, trucked away, uh, I think, in the last couple of days as the the 124 Hours paddock is disassembled. Um, there will be some events in the next 10 days or so that mean that more media will get more opportunity to see more of that car. And I think we're going to be getting uh, pretty firm details of the Porsche's driving squad as well. I think that's coming pretty soon. Uh, beyond that, some pretty clear indications that should things go well with the test and development program, that we might very well see uh, the Porsche or a Porsche um, on the grid for the Bahrain uh, race, the, the, the season finale for the FIAWC. That would therefore be the global debut of that car. Currently expecting a global debut at the Rolex 24. Um, just exactly in what context, uh, context that car races, whether or not it's fully bopped or whatever, we don't yet know. We'll kind of hashtag wait and see for that one. All of that is really good stuff. Peugeot, uh, I'm trying to think, did we do a, um, a weekend sports cars after I saw the car? I don't think we did. Well, I've seen it. It's pretty darn awesome. Um, amazing access to the uh, to the, uh, the the senior management, including the technical staff, for that program. That uh, I hope is going to stay in place because that's one of the things I think it's fair to say that those of us that cover uh, sports car racing on the international, uh, we're a little worried that perhaps we might find um, the shutters coming down a bit as balanced performance and technical this and blah, 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 and the politics just comes in. But basically what we're going to have for the car's debut, debut is in just a few weeks' time at Monza, is the 93 Peugeot. We'll see Paul Resta with Mikkel Jensen and Jean-Eric Verne. The sister car, the 94, sees James Rossiter, who is confirmed as the replacement, I think, for the full year this year. Um, for Kevin Magnussen, who's obviously made his way back to Formula One, he will uh, be racing with Gustavo Menezes and Luke Duval. So they're the three, uh, sorry, the uh, the two crews for 
um, the uh, the Peugeots. One other quick thing, as I remember, though, about the Porsche. Lots of excitement about whether or not we'll see two cars here or four cars there or three cars there. Um, I think a trick has been missed. Uh, and it's something I've still yet to bring to the web for Delhi Sports Car. I, I'm pretty certain they're not aiming for four cars for Le Mans next year. I'm pretty certain they may have an aspiration for three um, for reasons we'll go into when we get that story to the web. Uh, but you know, with the way things are at the moment with international logistics and supply chain, etc., whether or not that's practical for 2023 for the 100th anniversary of Le Mans, 24 hours, uh, we're again going to have to wait and see. Uh, but uh, I think there certainly are moves that Porsche might be trying to see about the practicalities for Le Mans. Everywhere else, two in IMSA, two in the FI World Endurance Championship, four has effectively been counted out. Three, that might be a rather more interesting question. That just might be, Mr. Goodwin. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Ferrari, did we? We didn't talk well, about Ferrari. But there's nothing to talk about because we've <laughs> seen the whole car. I mean, like, so much was exposed that like there's no mystery left right there's no need uh, to do a formal reveal after this everybody's got it we can confirm now that the car does have a ferrari badge and front lights that's it well that's all we can say that's all it is that's actually pretty radical so folks have been blown away by peugeot going without a rear wing that's all the ferrari is a it's a badge, badge and front lights like i mean truly this is a radical approach to a prototype design so i don't know where they stuff the motor into maybe the 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 ice maybe that's in the left headlight and then the hybrid components in the right i don't know man i don't even know where the driver's gonna sit but uh that's gonna be really cool to oh, see. oh you think there's gonna be drivers you think there's gonna be drivers <sighs> well we do know by the way uh, that they have done a driver assessment uh, program and uh, i like ump have seen the list of current Ferrari GT talents and some of their uh, driver development guys that have been uh, party to a test uh, with an LMP2 car. I am aware of at least one other driver that is pretty well nailed in uh, for that effort that has not been featured on that list. Uh, so again, uh, there's there's a lot more good news to come. The, the key for me with all of this on the driver front, by the way, is when the music stops and we've got a fair amount of young talent being taken on board for these programs, I think there's going to be a bit of changing of the guard with some of the major GT programs. There simply are not going to be enough seats for all the people currently driving at the top end of GT uh, to find their way into a prototype. And I do wonder about some of the the longer-serving uh, GT drivers. With Pro-Am coming and coming very soon, whether or not we might be saying goodbye to a few at the end of the season. Mm. Well, we could only be so fortunate. I'm getting sick and tired of a lot of them. Um, <laughs> kidding aside... <laughs> Why don't we go to the final confirmation of what we kind of sort of expected, that being new LMP2 hot rods for 2025. 
Amazing news here as well, Graham. Completely open tender. Anybody who wants to build an LMP2 car can. There's no longer a restriction of just four chassis constructors. I have that 100% correct, don't I? No, you don't. Uh, so the answer is, uh, there was already the chat. I know, but it's been out of the loop so long now. So Ades. long. Ades is doing all of them. It's a single, yeah, all of them. single spec, right? <laughs> Am I close? No. No, no. Uh, so how is it going to be? Uh, we've already seen that a year's delay to 2025 for the new spine, new cars. These are the chassis that are uh, effectively the basis for the LMDH prototypes, the GTP and for hypercar, for IMSA and WC. Um, it will be 2025 for those cars uh, with a lot of details still to be sorted with a window open for a potential hybridized version of that car in LMP2 during the five-year homologation period. Now, there's not a plan for that, um, but there is the facility to do that, which isn't really a surprise, bearing in mind the same car effectively has been designed for spec hybrid units anyway. Um, no sign of a delay to, for, to 2025 for those cars at this point, at least. Uh, so the Orica 07 will cease to be a contemporary race car at the start of the 2025 season, which will mean it'll have uh, lived a life uh, in competitive trim for some eight years. Um, I'm going to say, and I think those that read Daily Sports Car will have read, I think that might be a mistake. Um, I wonder whether or not with the world still a very uncertain place, MP, whether or not they might have to think again at some point, whether or not we might eventually see a delay to that plan. Uh, for now, they've nailed the close to the mast. They're, they're effectively saying, let's get on with it. Let's push forward to 2025. I'm concerned whether or not there will be the capacity in that marketplace to fulfill the let's presume the demand is going to be broadly the same as it is at the moment to fulfill the demand for something like 30 cars across the world. Um, that remains to be seen. Thoughts brother at this couple years out stage as to whether the dynamic that we've seen play out in the effectively all Areca 07 formula. Yeah will be any different once we get to 2025 i'm asking a dumb question and, no and it's a not loaded, a dumb question well it's, you've a just, lo you've, it's a loaded question because this isn't specific to lmp2 no this is specific to any place of competition where there are multiple options on yeah. which tool to use to compete with and while we would expect three of the four manufacturers to have models on the grid in 2025 i'd hope to see four but who knows there might only be three um folks are going to gravitate towards whatever it is that proves to be the most competitive unless uh imsa in the wec and any other championships where these new cars end up running uh, well, will indeed be performance balanced they put well that's the i'm glad you said it because you've just reminded me of the missing link that i totally forgot to mention which is there is a process in place for this transition 
uh, under the title AOP, which I believe is Adjustment of Performance. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a full. Uh, yes, indeed, uh, AOP ness. Um, it's not a full balance of performance process. What it is is a twice yearly um, examination of the performance of those cars, with the opportunity by regulation to make adjustments accordingly. So. <sighs> I think that's probably quite sensible. Yeah. I think, you know, what you, you don't want to do is to load up the process with balanced performance literally everywhere, but actually an adjustment of performance. Once you've had the opportunity to see what will be still very new cars um, on a variety of tracks and on both sides of the Atlantic, um, in very different tracks on both sides of the Atlantic, to gather that data together in this new era of peace and harmony, um, I think is a good move uh, to, to achieve exactly what it was you were just talking about. We're going to have a marketplace that's got four players in it, or three players, or whatever it is we end up with, um, that's uh, got active LMP2 customer bases. Let's make it functional. Let's make sure that, that there's some active management of that by regulation, and that we're not going to leave um, one or two of those uh, chassis manufacturers kind of out in the dust really so AOP it's going to be um, and that should help us to get closer to the position that I think a lot of people want to see which is more variety in that LMP2 class I hear you and I do hope although I would not be described as the world's number one fan of BOPness, AOPness or anything else I would welcome a very salient adjustment as again, you've outlined and as there's the intent to do, but I just welcome that firm embrace of hi, We have opened this up to multiple vendors. And since this class is not meant to be one where we are fighting for overall wins, where this is manufacturer type racing, where you would expect true independence and your concept is being pitted against the other person's concept and you will uh win or fail based on that this is meant to be a pro-am category uh in or a training category if we wanted to call it that and so for those choosing your multi-matic your liege your whatever uh, i don't know if we're in a place anymore graham where the average team owner the average driver is willing to be saddled with a uh, a poor uh, chassis decision, not one that they would obviously make knowingly or going into things, but again, just pure nature. We're going to have one, maybe two of those four turn out to be the hot tickets to have. The commitment to say, we're going to take care of you. You're not going to need to sell your whatever it is that isn't uh, the front-running uh, P2 choice. Assuming... You know, they're all relatively close. I really do like that. What if one is a bit of a stinker? Uh, we'll see how they deal with that. And if they grant themselves permission to go above and beyond to make that car more competitive. But regardless, just happy to hear that uh, not allowing teams to throw away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I think that's pretty darn smart. I agree completely. 
agree completely. Alongside that, and um, you know, uh, in the ACA press conference on the Friday, the other point of clarification, MP, is about, if you like, the other global formula. <laughs> And that is what's going to happen with GT. Confirmed and absolutely expected GT Pro to uh, complete its life cycle after uh, this current season. GTE Am lives on for one more year uh, into 2023. And after that, we will go GT3 racing with ACO Rules uh, uh, Championships with a... Uh, a class name to be determined, but a couple of sources have suggested it might be GT, then a space, LM. Um, familiar. Uh, the other part of the the jigsaw that was kind of offered is that there will be uh, a GT3 premium pack of some description. Uh, explained by Richard Meal as being, he's, I think he, uh, his words, relatively low cost. And by that, uh, the clarification was between 50 and 100,000 euro. Um, and that that was not designed to affect performance, which leaves the, the question open to what exactly is that? It could be that there's some safety-related uh, uh, issues that they'll want to include. Uh, certainly, it's things like position markers, etc., um, there's been a lot of comment about this. I'll comment on two things, the notion of an additional pack and a comment on the commentary that's coming on this one. Um, as far as the additional pack is concerned, we simply don't know what's going to be included in it yet. We've got some ideas about some of it, not all of it. Um, my view wasn't that smart to announce the intention to add uh, facility and effectively give a key as to the increase in budget without explaining exactly what's going to be involved in that because it just leaves everything wide open for criticism of the both the constructive and the destructive side of things. Uh, there's been other commentary around, um, I, th I, I suspect it might, has it, uh, you know, it might be actually aimed at something I wrote, would you believe? Um, pouring scorn on the notion that uh, it was ever considered that there might be a restriction to the GT3 uh, entries based on whether or not that make had a representation in the hypercar class in WC. I'll say just this. I have it on very good authority from two separate manufacturers, both of whom had direct conversations with very senior management where that very thing was part of the early discussion as a point of discussion. It was put of discussion. It was certainly on the table for a time. It now no longer is, and that's to be celebrated because that means the door is open for significantly more variety. Um, as far as GT3 Premium is concerned, I wait with bated breath what that uh, pack involves. Uh, I would add just this in an era where we hear from every championship around the world about two key words and phrases. One is sustainability. The other is, um, is cost capping and cost reduction. Uh, it really does need to make sense. This really does need to look like something that is adding to the show, adding to 
um, the offer and not as something that is just there to draw money into the organizing body. Right now, that would be a very bad optic. Uh, that's all I've got to say about that. And we wait to find out just exactly what is going to be involved in GT, the GT3 premium pack coming soon to an ACO organized race near you. Well, there you go. Uh, let me see. What else shall we or shan't we? Am I even using my English good? Uh, what else should we cover before we say farewell here? Hydrogen. Yep. Uh, Another surprise. Yeah. Hey, the thing everyone's talking about. Well, I mean, the surprise to me was that they've kept a 2025. Every indication. Um, and I had some help with reaching this uh, this conclusion is that that was going to be delayed. I will add just this. It's just possible there might be a bit of a spoiler uh, here. Something just in the shadows at the moment that might emerge as a major new program. Um, I want to say nothing more about that at the moment, MP, but whereas you and I have discussed and we've said Hyundai is the, the brand that we expected to be stepping forward to do the hydrogen fuel cell um, program that will effectively establish these regulations, I think we now have another player. Um, and I think that might be real, and it might be that what that that's driving this aspirational um, point in time, the 2025, which right now looks monstrously ambitious. Um, but I think there's a bit more hashtag wait and see. There's a reason, there must be a reason, why they've kept to 2025. I don't think it's optics. I don't think it's politics. I do think there is something there that right now is um, is there and waiting for the opportunity to press the button. And it might not be what you think. Okay, why don't we close on, what, some calendar clashes? Again, talking this newsy oh, yeah, episode yeah. of the Weekend Sports Cars brought to yeah, you by well, him and me and people. Yeah, well, I've used the... I've, I'm very, Fines, uh, too. Uh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm very... Uh, aware that I've used the word optics twice in two little uh, pieces. I'm going to use another uh, again here. In the post-pandemic era, we've got all sorts of problems with calendar clashes, people trying to, with restricted choice as to where you can race, that means you're also restricting the points in time in the calendar where you can race at the places you can race. And what we've seen with that, sometimes with um, some unavoidables and sometimes I'm um, looking at you IndyCar uh, with some frankly stupid decision making um, we've seen clashes that have left major races uh, with people who'd like to do both struggling to do so uh, and in other cases real logistical challenges to make it work the one that uh, this, this this particular point is is about is the weekend, not of Le Mans itself, but the weekend before. Uh, and to reflect as well, by the way, that it was good to hear from Robert Reed, uh, Vice President of the FIA, that uh, he believes that the centenary Le Mans 24 hours should be truly ring-fenced, that we shouldn't have any other major motorsports on that weekend in 2023. I think that would be the correct decision. And I look forward to seeing whether or not the World Motorsport Council will back up that aspiration. 
against the clear potential for Formula One to come and play uh, bully boy again, as they so often have done in the past on these these occasions. What we're talking about here is there were three conflicting events that impacted on the test day and the scrutineering. Scrutineering this time Friday and Saturday, test day on the Sunday of the weekend before Le Mans. Uh, a f- some total of 50 drivers were not able to make it to the scrutineering days because they were competing in either uh, the Embassy Weather Tech Sports Car Championship at Detroit Bellal. I think there were 12 of those. Uh, there was something around a half a dozen, maybe more. Uh, that I think it was more actually competing in Jakarta, Indonesia, for Formula E. And there was a large number, something like 30 drivers, competing actually in the south of France um, in the GT World Challenge Europe. You know, and I, can, was, I can mention one thing that's maybe... I still need to ask Roger about this, Roger Penske, but I think this will certainly play in and hopefully ease some tensions in that being as the proprietor of uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport, as someone who may or may not have uh, an IndyCar driver as part of uh, a extended endurance racing lineup that could be going to Le Mans. Yeah. Also, as someone who, as the owner of the IndyCar series, knows that he has rivals, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, pri- primary facilitator of Cadillac's new program for yeah. next year, where I will absolutely expect at least one IndyCar driver to be involved. Uh, Meyer Shank Racing, as well, will be part of the Acura program, etc. Yeah. I would say the person who owns the NTT IndyCar series will have all kinds of motivation of his own and some of his constituents in the paddock who have Lamont circled, including the test day. I have to believe as we get to June, 2023, uh, IndyCar's future schedule, if it doesn't have full accommodations for what is going on at Circuit de la Sarthe, I will be shocked because there is a real need uh, for some clear windows to be provided. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, so the key here is, if you didn't turn up for scrutineering, the regulations uh, offer the opportunity for the organisers to levy a €3,000 fine. That would be €150,000 of fines, which were indeed levied. I am very disappointed in that decision, indeed. I think that was unnecessary. Um uh, I don't think it sends the right message. These are, for the, the vast majority of them, professional race drivers that are trying to earn a living in the wider sports at a time when that has been difficult to do so over the last two years. And I find that a disappointed decision from the organising body. I particularly find it disappointing that they didn't, in those circumstances, um, offer the opportunity to improve the optics by, for instance, allocating a chunk of that take to, for instance, a Marshalls Benevolent Fund, thousands of Marshalls at the uh, Circuit de la Sarte in that week. And they are, for the vast majority of them, uh, volunteers. It would have been good if they were going to take that money to see some of that money uh, spread more widely. Didn't like that. Um, not very happy with that decision uh, from the race organisers at uh, at Le Mans. Uh, it's disappointing 
that the realities of where we are in the racing world at the moment were not acknowledged. Here's the thing. Not one single driver that was paying that €3,000 MP was party to influential, uh, influential in making or had any say in arguing the decisions of the series which they were signed up for. And it wouldn't take very much to check the timeline of announcements for each of those calendars to come to the conclusion that towards the end of the um uh, the, the, the the jigsaw being put together was the confirmation of the timing of scrutineering and the uh, and the test day. Quite aside from the fact that the test day had moved to a Friday and Saturday, sorry, the uh, scrutineering had moved to a Friday and Saturday for the very first time. So if you were trying to accommodate it, you reasonably um, would have been able to predict uh, against things that have been done years many many years past certainly every year that i've been uh that it would have been across the weekend um <sighs> disappointing i know they've taken a bit of a uh, a beating in the media for that here's another beat bit of beating for them so they don't forget that was just not a great decision i'm sure it looks great on the balance books doesn't win you any friends in a world of motorsports where we should be trying to build bridges, not walls. Tear down those walls, Graham Goodwin. Take us home. Let's do that. Uh, Thanks uh, for joining us, not just for this edition, this half-hour edition, catching up with news, but uh, the edition we we recorded yesterday, catching up with the ins and outs of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, It's been a quick-fire edition, too. We'll be back next week with the usual... Uh, the regular listener-driven questions um, format for the weekend sports cars. He, on the state side, has been Marshall Pruitt. I have been Graham Goodwin. We're going to say thank you to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers, and to torontomotorsports.com for their continuing support for this madness. Uh, We will see you next week.